Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, and I am joined by my good buddy Prez again from the Strickland, from Draft Strickland, draft writer at the Strickland. And yes, we're continuing our discussion about the NBA draft. This is the third part of three. So if you haven't checked out the first two, be sure to do that. But in this episode, less so than talking about the Mavs pick that the Mavs might be screwing up for the Knicks this year, we talk about the late first, which seems to be the Knicks' sweet spot. And an area that maybe they would look to trade into. We talk about Leonard Miller, Derek Whitehead, Jet Howard, and others. And I get Prez's impressions on a number of guys that the Knicks might be able to look at in a really deep draft towards the end of the first round where they've succeeded before. So that's all coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, up. Now fires it. And he's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and the notification bell or the auto download function so you never miss an episode because we do have five episodes a week for you guys especially with playoff time coming up super important uh i'm alex wolf i'm editor-in-chief of nick's site the strickland which you can find at the strict.land and like i said i'm joined by one of my buds from the strickland prez who is the lead draft writer there who hosts the draft strickland podcast who's the friday host of the pod strickland podcast uh there's a lot that prez does with the draft and he's one of my favorite people uh of whose brain to pick uh, and if you haven't checked it out already, like I said in the intro, we did two parts already to this where we sort of broke down the situation for the Knicks uh, as far as the Mavericks pick and also some of the players that the Knicks could look at in that range should the Mavs avoid uh, landing in the top 10 and end up in the 11 to 14 range and give the Knicks that opportunity. Uh, so we'll see how that goes over these last couple games. Uh, let's go Mavs, I guess, uh, so that the Knicks can hopefully get a late lottery pick this year in a really stacked draft. But it, it is a really stacked draft, and so that's why Prez and I figured that we would talk about some of the late first-rounders as well. It's a range that the Knicks love. Obviously, they got Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel Quickly, both at the 25th pick. Uh, they got Deuce McBride early in the second round. They got Jericho Sims late in the second round. I mean, they've they've had a real penchant for like analyzing and finding talent late in the draft uh, with this front office so far. So we're going to talk about that. There's a number of guys that Prez really liked. I kind of just asked him for a list. I I've made it very clear on this pod that uh, I have not done a ton of draft work yet. So this is really my first foray and hopefully not last. We'll see how things go as far as the Knicks and their draft pick situation going up to the draft. But 
just in case this is like the last chance we get to talk about them, I wanted to talk about some of these late first round guys. So I'm going to get into it now with press. As we know, the Knicks love their late first round picks. So I figured we could sort of like rapid fire uh, a few other guys here real quick and, and just kind of get into some other guys that if they wanted to try to maybe trade into their sweet spot of around the 25th pick or so guys that might be intriguing prospects to look at. Uh, so we have uh, Leonard Miller of the G league ignite. This guy almost snuck into last year's draft. If I remember correctly, like he sort of tested mm-hmm. the waters. Right. And, and was like coming like right out of high school, um, but had like a unique situation where he was at a prep. So that would have been possible. And he intrigues me. Like I'm, I, uh, he seems sort of like what we were talking about with Taylor Hendricks, where it's like, this guy's big, but he could do a lot of stuff, but I don't necessarily know that he's going to like the shooting numbers aren't crazy. Like in the G league ignite this year, if, if these uh, numbers that I have in front of me are, are correct, shot about 54%, which is good. Like, I mean, that's really good for a player of that age, I feel like, but only 30% from three on like two and a half attempts per game, but also like in the G league, which we're still trying to, I feel like, we're still trying to figure out exactly how good of a measure the G league is for future indicators of success, like, uh, and the G league Ignite program and all that, but average a double, double at that level, um, which is against like fringe NBA talent and averaged about two and a half or sorry, about two stocks per game, uh, which is also really good on the, the defensive end. I mean, what you read on him, is it just sort of a case of a guy that's like a, the, the numbers look pretty good. The size, looks awesome i mean he, I think he's like 610 with like a seven foot plus wingspan so that's a plus like for a guy that can potentially do some stuff with the ball like what's the what's the downside i guess you know because it seems like there's a lot of things in his favor yeah he's super interesting um to give like a one minute overview of the weird context for him that you alluded to so he was dominating canadian hoops leagues with poor competition and his rise to fame as a prospect happened really quickly. Like over six months, he got invited to some tournaments, um, World versus USA, Nike championship thing. I forget what it's called. And uh, he did fine in all those. More than fine. He did great. And um, there was questions about if he was eligible. He went into the draft combine last year and looked completely lost in the scrimmages. And I think that is why him going to the Ignite was a perfect choice. Um, I am a huge fan of what the Ignite do for NBA prospects. What they do, in my view, is they pick the right roles for them to master certain fundamentals or get up to like baseline, at least, in certain fundamentals. And they pick roles that will also, in some ways, challenge the players. And we're now on a couple of years of data to support that, right? And the latest data point is a much different kind of player, but Jaden Hardy on Dallas, who a lot of people liked, but, you know, like Keontae, his efficiency was woeful. Decision-making was questionable. Um, so he dropped, despite being a highly touted prospect. He dropped to the end of the first round. Um, and now you see, like, he's a really good shooter who can score and do some things, even if he's not, you know, the next great top five pick or whatever. Leonard... In the G League, they're like, all that point forward stuff that you did in Canada, you're not going to do none of that. What you're going to do is all you're going to run the floor hard. You're going to crash the glass. You're going to be a slasher sometimes. 
maybe we'll let you handle the ball a little bit when Scoot is out, when he's injured. Scoot Henderson, the, the point guard for the Ignite, likely top three pick. And you can take threes sometimes, whatever. You can take mid-range shots sometimes, whatever. But mostly just do the little things. Like be where you're supposed to be on defense. Learn how to play defense. Learn what helping the helper is. Like he didn't know any of this stuff. Like in the combine, he just – it was literally like a guy who had never played organized basketball even within the, the solar system of like NBA ball. Um, and you can tell. So by the end of this Ignite season, you've seen him much more comfortable with where he has to be on defense. And because of his size, like you said, he can be pretty good now when he's in the right place on defense because he's 6'10 with over seven foot wingspan. But he has the agility of a guard in terms mm. of how he moves. Like he's just very comfortable dribbling the ball. Like he looks more comfortable dribbling the ball than RJ Barrett. And he moves faster than RJ Barrett just on defense to, to give an example and not to pick on RJ, but like, cause it's more than just movement skills that make you effective, but he has the movement skills and he's still only 19. Um, so he's definitely a very intriguing prospect. And I agree with you that at some point, like you're like, Oh, he did this versus former like college all-stars. He's probably going to be pretty good. I don't know if the fit would be good in New York just because they're trying to win now and a player who's earlier on his basketball education learning curve and also can't shoot would probably make Tibbs go into like a rage spiral. But as far as upside goes, um, he's definitely like, if I was a team with more than one first round pick, I would be fiending to pick Leonard Miller just because his tools are crazy. And we saw them actually begin to, manifest into like actual winning plays and stuff like that this season all right i'll be right back in with prez to get into some more prospects including jalen hood shafino who really interested me quite a bit as prez was talking about him but i do just have to real quick award this week's nissan most electric player of the week brought to you by the all-new all-electric 2023 nissan aria and i'm gonna go a little off script here I'm not going to pick just one player uh, because I don't think that just one player deserves this award for this week. I'm going to take three players. I'm going to pick Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, and Quentin Grimes. Yes, the trio that against the Pacers the other day all had 30-plus points. Obi with 32 points, six assists, three boards. Uh, Emmanuel Quickly with 39 points, nine assists, and six boards. And Quentin Grimes with 36 points, six boards, five assists, three steals. They were all just fantastic. The young core really coming out and doing their thing. And they were honestly just brilliantly fierce with how they attacked the Pacers. The Knicks really needed their contributions, and they gave them and, and you know, helped the Knicks get a late season win that they maybe wouldn't have otherwise gotten without their big three available. And they were fiercely elegant and electric, stunningly powerful in their absolute dismantling of the Pacers uh, as a shorthanded squad. So I, I think that there's a lot to love about just how electric those three are together on the court and how much chemistry the you know Knicks young core has built together to be able to step in and just 
kind of have a next man up mentality. So the Nissan, the 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. Pin you to your seat power. That's like that's like what the the Knicks young big three offers. The all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. So a, a kind of different end of the spectrum here uh, to move to a, a different player. Derek Whitehead from Duke, uh, freshman, comes in, has really high pedigree, sort of in many ways based off what, what happened to the kid. It reminds me a lot of A.J. Griffin in a way, mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that he came in and then just promptly got injured. And it sort of and and was fighting injuries, and it sort of affected his ability to really get comfortable, from what it sounds like. Uh, but I read your like mini scouting report uh, on him again uh, before this, that was in one of your draft previews on the Strickland, and like it sounds like they sort of just then were like, all right, well, you know, we may have brought you here to be like a an alpha scorer, like R.J. Barrett type, but you know, because of how things have gone, we're now going to kind of slot you in as like a three and D guy. And it sounds like he filled that role pretty admirably. Um, The numbers don't really jump off the page, honestly, with him. It's like he scored eight points a game um, in 20 and a half minutes per game. But he did shoot 43% from three, which is impressive. I mean, what's your read on, on Whitehead? Do you think that he's, do you think there's a, maybe a chance? I mean, I, I look at him and I think like, why wouldn't you go back for another year? Honestly, like I, I wonder if there's maybe a chance that he would do that. But like, what's your read on Whitehead as far as if he does come out this year, what would be your expectations from him as a guy who had such a high pedigree, but sort of because of injuries and stuff, wasn't really able to do as much as was expected this year? Yeah, he's been tough for me to come to grips with um, until I got into more of his film, both not only at Duke, but in high school, because the reality of him is kind of boring. And if you look at his like YouTube highlights, they're kind of whack, <laughs> right? <laughs> Even if you look at his high school YouTube, it's cool because it's a lot more dunks. And he used to, when he was much more slim, he used to be able to fly like his junior year. Then he put on some weight and he still had hops as a senior, but not like, oh my God, this is one of the best dunkers. And now like with, he had a lower body injury his senior year in preseason for Duke and then during the season for Duke. So he's racked up a bunch of injuries. None of them, particularly traumatic right like no torn acl or anything but the fact that he was trying to keep his stock up and just play through it probably made it harder for him to you know it takes a while to play yourself into shape and we saw that and he played himself into shape and by that conference tournament he was cooking in a three and d role of what he was asked to do like he still couldn't really get by guys and that was kind of disappointing. But even if you look at his high school tape, it's not really blowing by guys to the rim. It's more just like, oh, I can cross tween step back and there's just nothing you can do about it. And I'm going to do that. Like everything comes back to his jump shot, even back then. So how high you are on Dariq kind of depends on what your appetite is for a three and D wing. Who's really good at those things and might have, a little bit more athleticism in the tank because he's not at least right now like he's not going to blow by guys he's not going to draw a lot of fouls he's definitely a better passer than he showed at duke duke doesn't really let their guys do that kind of stuff um 
where he separates from AJ Griffin is like AJ was an all-time shooting great shooting prospect, and Derek is merely excellent, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which sounds like I'm hating, but like that matters. And ultimately, he's still so young that you can't re- you can really do worse than a guy who is already a good defender at age 18 and already a ridiculous shooter and is six foot six. Like it's kind of boring, but those guys don't grow on trees. And ultimately it's why I can't see him falling out of the first round. But if he chooses to stay in, he's pretty much guaranteed a first round pick just because of age and size and shooting. So what does that do for the Knicks? I don't know. Again, he'd be the, first really young player they've taken and that would be you know they'd have to have some patience with him but Mm -hmm. but like we said before they still need shooting right so he's an awesome shooter yeah and i mean i guess technically the second young player they would ever take if you count trevor keels but definitely a Mm -hmm. a different class of player (laughs) than a than a trevor keels i would say yeah Um, because Keels Keels still clearly has a lot of work to do. It seems like Whitehead already does quite a bit of of NBA level stuff. All right, I'll be right back in with Prez to finish off this conversation. It was such a long, awesome convo about all these various guys in the draft. I really hope the Knicks end up with the traffic this year because there's just so many good players. They're so intriguing. But I do have to remind you guys real quick that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NBA playoffs are almost here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on anything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. That's my absolute favorite thing to do. I love me a same-game parlay. I'm probably going to do it for the first game against the Cavs, because why not? May as well like put your money where your mouth is, right? I'll probably bet Donovan Mitchell's under on his points scored. I'll bet Jalen Brunson's over for sure. Uh, maybe take Emmanuel quickly for over two and a half threes or something like that. Add that onto the ticket. Uh, get some Obi top and points props. If uh, uh, you know a point over under on there, if uh, Julius Randall isn't available, throw that all together on one ticket. Potentially make a bunch of bucks. Uh, and that's all on same game parlay, which is like the best feature of FanDuel, honestly. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right. Admittedly, the rest of this list, I have very little knowledge of, but I want to give you a chance to, because I know these are some of your your favorite guys. I want to give you a chance to make some quick cases for a few other guys as like late first round picks. So uh, first I'll say Jalen Hood Shafino, uh, freshman out of Indiana. Give me the, the elevator pitch on him. Well, his track, he could end up being taken by the Knicks or another team in the late lotto. Like his range is pretty, is pretty wide. That being said, the quick pitch on him is he played for Indiana as a six foot six combo guard who very much ran their offense a lot of the time. And like, capably like his handle is legit above average and he can make real point guard reads 
He's a plus passer. And like I said, he's six foot six and he knows where to be on defense. Like he's a freshman, um, not as young as Derek, but still a freshman. But it's not uncommon to see him to watch Indiana and see him just nail a bunch of little things consecutively. Like, oh, help here, but not too far. Dig at the right time, communicate, help the help. Like he's probably ahead of the curve for his age on a lot of that like basketball processing stuff. Um, he's inefficient because he really likes taking hard shots. Um, the Knicks would have to iron out. They would have to clean up his shot profile. He loves mid-range shots because he's a great shooter, great jump shooter, but he also takes really hard layups, kind of like RJ Barrett. He doesn't really get, he's not explosive. Um, his arms aren't that long. So he'll always try to take tough layups and floaters and, you know, turn around mid-range shots. And he has, like I said, he's a really good mid-range shooter, but he definitely relied on that too much in college. But if you were to say, to me, the upside case for him is like the Knicks take him and do what they did with Deuce and many other players and just clean up that shot profile. And all of a sudden you have a three and D six foot six ball handling wing slash guard, like even if he's not that athletic, you, there's something to like about that. And he's he, and he's another guy who um, they could also probably find some upside by just telling him to shoot more threes. Like, he actually took, like, a meh amount of threes. I, I don't have it in front of me, but given his shooting skill, every time I watch them, I'm just like, why don't they just force him? I don't care how good he is at mid-range shots. Just make this guy shoot three-pointers. If you squint and look at him, you're like, is that Devin Booker? Like, that's like sometimes the way he shoots, I'm like, he might be a really great shooter, but he just takes lots of dumb shots. <laughs> well, you just made a pretty good case for him to me. It sounds pretty appealing to me. Uh, all right, moving to a, another guy, uh, Jet Howard, uh, wing out of Michigan. He's a freshman. What's your case for Jet? Uh, Jet Howard is i'll start with the bad stuff he is super unphysical he's not really athletic um he can't really get to the rim so he relies on floaters he's like the worst rebounding six foot eight person i've ever seen um his defense comes and goes a lot he's also very young for a freshman and he's did i mention he's six foot eight and his ball handling is pretty amazing he's a great ball handler but he only knows how to use it I say only with air quotes. He uses it mostly to create jump shots. Um, in that sense, I think he's similar to um, the prospect version of Kevin Porter Jr., where you're like, this guy is tall, has amazing handle, is a great shooter, can get to his jump shot whenever he wants. When is he going to learn to actually like go downhill with this because nobody can stay in front of him? The difference is Kevin Porter is athletic, Jet Howard really not, but the point kind of stands. Um, I think the Knicks would be able, if they picked him, it would be like, we need shooting. He has shooting with size. His handle's incredibly above average. There's other stuff that needs work, but those are all things that we really like. You know, if you look at who the Knicks have picked, it's usually guys who can dribble the ball, usually guys who can shoot pull-up shots, big programs. So he does have a lot of things the Knicks like, and that would just be a pure talent bet. All right, uh, another guy to uh, that I I feel like I know a little more about because I read in your preview, but I, I want to hear you state the case. Uh, Max Lewis, sophomore wing slash forward out of Pepperdine. He he definitely intrigues me. 
So Max Lewis is interesting because how you view him kind of depends on how you view his situation. So he was he was the offense for Pepperdine, and they weren't a good team, but he was the offense. He was like usage was over thirty. He was their main playmaker, often their main passer, um, running pick and rolls. He was their best scorer by a large margin. Um, so the question with Max is if you reduce his role because he's not going to be running any offense in the NBA, does that make him better? Or do you lose the value because he needs the ball to do things like make good passes or you know take tough mid-range shots and make tough mid-range shots and – um, you know, some players, if they don't do as many of the little things, become less helpful when they're not a big part of the offense. And you could argue that Max is, you know, he's not a particularly good defender. Pepperdine did a lot of zone because they sucked the defense. Um, so that didn't help. And then, um, even though he's a good passer, the, the motor sometimes runs hot and cold with him. Um, so he definitely could improve in that respect, but the guy, when it comes down to it, the guy's a great catch and shoot shooter. He's six foot eight with long arms. He's athletic. He can dribble the ball to create space. Um, he can make very good reads passing, like as a connector, even. So there's a lot to like there. Um, his draft range, range is really wide just because, again, like he was the best player on a whack team in a whack conference. So, like, should we get that excited about that? I don't know. Maybe it's kind of eye of the beholder. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I, I also feel like Pepperdine has produced a couple of NBA players in recent years too. Right. Like, so it's like, wasn't that where uh, Kessler Edwards went to school Pepperdine? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I, like whack conference that weirdly, at least that school has at least produced one somewhat decent NBA player, <laughs> although he's not exactly like lighting the world on fire. But yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, last uh, last name that I wanted to bring up, and this is a guy who admittedly, uh, again, as a guy who didn't pay much attention to college basketball this year, I like had to look up who this even was because I wasn't <laughs> familiar prior to when you sent me the name. But Kobe Bufkin, guard, sophomore out of Michigan, uh, just on first blush, looking at his numbers and stuff, seems to have improved a lot from his freshman year to sophomore year, uh, as well as getting a bigger role. But fits that sort of, uh, uh, like we talked about earlier, the profile of the Knicks loving uh, second year players and and guys that are not first year, uh, you know, freshmen, stuff like that. So give me just a quick pitch on uh, Buffkin before we let you go. Uh, he was a late riser on my board and everyone's board. He became a bigger part of Michigan's offense as the year went on and they got worse, which sounds like not a good sales pitch, but like he's a sophomore, but he's the age of a freshman. He's pretty young. And he's a guy who he came on so late that I actually didn't have him as a part of my article on Nixie guys in the class. And then I added him in and he rated out as one of the most Nixie because like IQ to just pick a random guy or like Quentin Grimes, he can shift between multiple positions. Um, he's a probably not the level of shooting prospect that those two are, but he's still a good shooter. Um, he takes a decent amount of threes. He's a great free throw shooter, a great mid range shooter. And you know, the Knicks love a good pull up shooter. Um, and he can really get to the rack. Like he has 
very good hand ball handling skills, um, not just for his age, but period. And for his size, like he's absolutely has better ball handling than most six, five guys. And he was also defending the best player on the other team. A lot of the time, as long as it wasn't like a big man. So I'm just like, hold on a minute now. Like he's running their offense more. He's becoming their best scorer. He also is defending the most important perimeter guys on the other teams. And he's not unathletic and he's like 19. Like he should probably be higher on my board. And I just, I don't know. I, he feels like a can't like Branham almost like one of those guys who's just people realize, Oh, like he actually cooked at the end of the year. And then he goes into workouts and probably starts, you know, embarrassing guys or something like that. And shooting the lights out and he might end up, uh, a higher pick and and he would definitely be a talent bet as well. Like, like we talked about the Knicks obviously have a lot of talented guards. So he would be in the, the cauldron of competition every day, but he probably wouldn't result in many minutes early on. But as a guy who could shift between positions, defend hit threes, ball handle, like you could do worse than that. It sounds like, you could do worse than that is going to be like the tagline of this draft if everything works out because it seems like there's just so many good guys in this draft that it's going to be a fun draft cycle to cover if if that's something that you're into, which I know you are, Prez. Uh, before I let you go, do you want to like let everybody know what you have coming up and and plug uh, Draft Strickland and all that stuff again? Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Presidente. Um the Strickland is where we do our draft analysis. Um, we have lots of cool articles coming up. Um, after March Madness finishes, we'll have some great, like longer articles, some shorter articles, eventually a big board and not just my big board, but a bunch of people who help us out. Um, and then we have the podcast draft Strickland, which is right now every week. And, uh, if you really want to nerd out and learn about guys, I would definitely check out some of those episodes. So yeah, we got a lot of good stuff going on and, and you're right about this class. Like if they keep a first rounder, there's like a zillion players who I could not only talk myself into, but be genuinely excited about, even if I have my own preferences, like it's a 95% chance. I'm going to be like, wow, I see why the Knicks need that. Cause there's so much talent. Yeah. Well, I look forward to it. Uh, I guess the last thing we could say before signing off is here's hoping the Mavs don't screw this up oh and the God. Knicks get to hold on to that traffic because otherwise that would be kind of tragic to miss out on this class potentially, although I'm sure the Knicks will do some wheeling and dealing, maybe even with some of those protected picks they got last year to get back into the first round if they feel really passionate about somebody because they've definitely shown that that uh ability in the past so it's gonna be a fun and interesting draft cycle that we'll we'll have a much better idea of how to look at uh in just a couple weeks when we know if the knicks are if the knicks are more likely to get a draft pick off the mavericks or not uh but prez thanks so much man for coming on and talking and giving me this great primer because as i said i haven't really started looking into this stuff too much yet but I'm sure a lot of people really uh, uh, appreciate the primer as well. So thanks so much for coming on and, and giving the time. You got it.